Welcome to the Human Conversation Podcast with Jules White, the real dragon slayer. Tune in fortnightly for human conversation about business and sales. Enjoy business expert interviews, educational episodes, and virtual cuppers with entrepreneur business owners. And here is your host, Jules White. So welcome everybody to episode 10 of the Human Conversation. Um, I'm really excited, but I always am. Uh, but today I've got somebody with me who I have known for a long time, but I haven't spoken to for a long time. And he is Rob Law, and he is the inventor of Trunky. And I absolutely know that most of the people listening to this podcast, Rob, are going to know what a Trunky is. So thank you so much and welcome to my podcast. Pleasure to be here. And I've, obviously, um, I've known you when I had Truly Madly Baby. Most people will know my story, who are my listeners. If you haven't, it's on episode nine. I did a talk last week, so you can hear a little bit more about my story. But when I first met Rob, he was in quite early days of his business of Trunky, and I took on Trunky into my product range and fell in love with it to be honest with you totally and utterly fell in love with it and and was very inspired by you Rob so I wanted to kind of talk about those very early days when we first met um and I want you to tell us how Trunky was born that would be really good to know so well, let's start right at the beginning um we're going to wind back the clock 20 years to wow. when we came up with the concept of a, a ride on suitcase and I was a bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, 20-year-old uh, product design student at the University of Northumbria up in Newcastle. And I entered the National Luggage Design Competition. Uh, the whole class did, and various uh, groups around the country did, and went to a local department store to try and find some inspiration. Noted that hard-molded suitcases were quite fashionable, but everything was black and boring. And maybe it's because I'm a big kid at heart, but I drifted into the kids' toy section and it was there reminiscing of my ride on tractor uh, <laughs> I used to have. Uh, and and the, the riding toys are made using a different manufacturing technique that wastes a lot of space and thought, why not make a ride on toy using this adult l- luggage technology and uh, make it really fun and functional for kids. So the, the idea was born in 97, won the competition in 98. And actually last week I was at... Uh, the, the competition is still going, so I gave a keynote at that competition last week and... Uh, uh, there were some really commercial ideas from the six finalists. That was nice. But um, yeah. you, you then have to fast forward quite a few years to 2006 when I started trading. And uh, it was probably around that time that we met. It was because I started Truly Madly Baby in 2005. So obviously you came into my product range at the very early part, I guess. Or I don't actually know exactly when we met date-wise, but it would have been 2006 then that I took your products on. Yeah, I was really struggling to get buy-in from the bigger retailers. So um, the, the the interim years from two thousand from ninety seven to two thousand six were lots of rejection from from luggage manufacturers saying I'd invented a toy, and toy manufacturers saying I invented a piece of luggage. <laughs> and then when I tried to take the product to market myself, none of the high street retailers could decide whether it was toy or luggage. So I was, I was kind of delivering to independent stores a uh, couple of catalogues like yourselves uh, and kind of more progressive thinking buyers who saw the opportunity and the real need for a lifestyle brand uh, that 
would help facilitate travel. Yeah. So then um, what was the turning point then from selling to kind of that independent market, if we call it that, to finally, where was the break where you got into the big boys? Well, it was John Lewis and it was after Dragon's Den had. Um, I'd been passed around the nursery buyer, the toy buyer, the luggage buyer, and a young, uh, ambitious luggage buyer after the Dragon's Den ad um, decided to accept a meeting with me. And uh, within a matter of weeks, we secured national distribution in all, back then, 26 of their stores. And for the next three years, we could not keep up with demand. I, I did, That's amazing. And do you know something? I want to just touch on Dragon's Den. What series were you on, Rob? Was it three? It was season three, yeah. Yeah, last, so I, last episode of season three. So I was season two. Obviously, as you might remember, I went just before you. So I was selling trunkies. Um, obviously, Dragon's Den pushed my business right up to the forefront, being on the telly, um, and we massively grew. But when you were on the telly on Dragon's Den, it was really interesting because I was just sat at home, obviously swearing at the television when Theo started to pull your prototype to pieces. Um, all sorts of language was coming out, if I'm really honest. But what was really interesting is that following that, my sales went through the roof of Chunky massively. Um, everybody wanted them because uh, everybody could see what I could see, I think, in, the, in the, how amazing it was as a product. So I'm so pleased that John Lewis, obviously, or the person from John Lewis, picked up on it too. So tell me something more. When you suddenly have this massive, massive demand... What happens to your business? Well, it's all good until you run out of stock. Uh, so <laughs> back then we were still producing in China and the lead times with some of the earlier factories uh, were ridiculously long. It was like 90 days order, then 30 days on the water. So 120 days to catch up uh, with, the, with the stock. We are also shipping internationally as well. I had before the stock actually arrived in the UK for the first time, which is now the 5th of May 2006, celebrated as Trunky's birthday. I'd actually done a deal with the Museum of Modern Art in New York, um, and they bought the first container. So I was trading internationally from day naught, and um, so, yeah, I was trying to trying to get those orders in that were um, official POs that I'd accepted and trying to catch up with the backlog of of orders but none of the retailers could give me a forecast they had no idea what they were going to sell so i had nothing no map to work to no no numbers to plan to it was just um try and buy as much as you could possibly afford and for your working capital yeah sure and and did it even out i mean how did it pan out really for you obviously that those lead times were a struggle but presumably the big boys supported you on that uh, they did. I mean, we were always out of stock of one model or another. Um, but, uh, it, yeah, it was what it was. And if they couldn't give us forecasts, then we couldn't be expected to keep up with the oversupply, over-demand. Sorry. Yeah. Um, and, and I guess those early frustrations also played a part in the strategy to reshore production back in 2012. I think 2009, we'd gone through a huge bit of turmoil with the exchange rate of sterling against the US dollar. We'd gone down to, I think it was 1.2 or something, and we'd all planned on 1.5 or whatever it was. Um, it's a huge seismic shift and real real challenge to try and make the margin with the retailers. So um, there are a number of factors at play, but some of those early days of uh, really struggling with demand kind of did probably sow that seed 
So oh. we've been proudly manufacturing in Plymouth now for well, since 2012. So um, four years, yeah. That's brilliant. Oh, sorry. Time is flying. Time is flying, Rob. (laughs) Honestly, we're getting older and time is flying. Um, But six years. And so you're British made then, British manufactured. We supply the whole of Europe from our our Plymouth base, manufacturing base, although head office is based in Bristol. Yeah. Um, uh, We still manufacture with two vendors in China that um, provide the Southeast Asian markets. And then we have a number of other vendors making the rest of our product range. It's, it's so exciting. And I remember I came down to see you one day in Bristol when you gave me a cow prototype and uh, said, what do you think of this, Jules? Um, and obviously hmm. I have watched because originally I could just get the Trixie and the Terence, which were the pink and pink the blue. And, yeah. and that's where I started with you. And then obviously from there, you started to produce all the other lovely designs. So when John Lewis came along, did they want you to design something specially for them? No, no, they were happy with the, the current ranges that stood. And then we, we built and developed that range into um, some fairly basic prints that were very attractive to, to toddlers. So the, the B, first of all, it was Frida the Cow. Yeah. Uh, the next one was Bernard the Bee, I think. Then we did Harley the Ladybird. And Tipu the Tiger. So that that those products are still really strong sellers. In fact, it's quite nice to think back. Actually, that the original classics, the pink and blue, are still our best sellers. Yeah. Um, yeah. And some of those early designs are still very strong. And um, I was um, just coming home the other day, and I came round the roundabout on my estate, and there was a lady emptying her boot. Uh, I'm thinking she might have just come back from a trip and she was holding a pink and a blue trunky in either hand. <laughs> and I thought this is really interesting because obviously now since I've got back in touch with you, I keep seeing trunkies everywhere. It's one of those things, isn't it? So, so tell me about um, the next step. Uh, obviously, you, you had the suitcases, the ride-on suitcases, but then you started to produce other products in the range, didn't you? Yeah, so as a product designer at heart, I was really keen to expand the range and Having launched the original ride-on suitcase, there became became quite obvious there's a real niche here for um, toddler travel gear. So lots of baby travel gear from strollers and car seats. But once they reach sort of two years old, it, there isn't really much product there. Design not hardly any product really. So uh, there seemed like a real opportunity to to look at that. So we we got some parents in on the focus group and asked them about what their next greatest travel woes were. And there were lots of swear words used to describe the experience of traveling with car seats. Yeah. Uh, and very similar to the trunky concept, booster seats were rotation molded. They wasted a lot of space and it felt like uh, injection molding, the same technology we used for the suitcase could be used, put it in the bag so you've got access to that, that hollow storage space. And um, yeah, our, our fully certified car booster booster pack was, uh, was then launched. And that's our next best-selling line outside of trunky. That's amazing. And we've gone on to do kids swimming bags which are dry bags so watertight in an aquatic range we call those paddle packs uh, and one of the classic things you see with the kids in the car when you're traveling is when they fall asleep their head lolls forward yeah. and actually car seats give you plenty of support around the sides and the back of the head but nothing on the front so all neck rests are pretty much useless so we designed these uh, neck rests we call yondis which have hugging paws with magnets in which create a nice little cushion for your the child's chin when they long forward. Uh, and then you know, we, we developed a whole range of products. So, yeah, facilitating that perfect journey. 
it's lovely because I mean, obviously that's that's where you come from, isn't it? That creative place, you know. That, that's that's Rob, isn't it? That's that's how Trunky was born. Your creativity. So it's so nice to see that range having been born and developed. I think, from my perspective, it is anyway. Having been part of it at the very very beginning, it's lovely. <laughs> so tell me about um, Trunky now and and what's next for Trunky. Uh, well, as a group, we, we now have about 80 people on the payroll, so it's reasonable size. We're around about £10 million turnover. Uh, the business is now exporting to um, about 60 countries. We have products on sale in over 100, but it's about 60 that are, are meaningful. Our biggest market outside of the UK is now China, surprisingly. So um, the jet-setting middle classes are really kind of embracing the concept. Uh, and then France and Germany, inertial Europe, actually going great guns as well. After 12 hard, long years of trying to break through, we're really starting to see a bit of a tipping point being reached in those markets. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, we've got a, a great product range. Uh, we say we're pioneering children's travel. And, uh, uh, yeah, it's all about world domination. <laughs> and certainly with Brexit on the, the, the horizon, I mean, we've actually benefited from the weak sterling at the moment because we're manufacturing in the UK and exporting to Europe. So that's been yeah. a, a real positive for us. Yeah. But, but I don't really see, um, and I'm going to be saying this on a podcast that will hang around forever, no doubt, but <laughs> I don't really see the, the, the negotiations with Europe meaning we'll have tariffs on products. So hopefully there won't be tariffs on products. They may well be on services, but mm. I think product-based businesses are, are fairly safe. Yeah. Yeah, but what about Rob? What's your exit strategy, Rob? Uh, well, I, I don't really have one. One of my personal goals was to spend uh, to start a family and actually spend some quality time with them. Yay. So I've I've achieved that over the last eighteen months of actually uh, working part time. So um, yeah, Ida, who's almost four and a half, and little Dave, who's almost two, yeah, just get to spend plenty of time with them running around mm. Bristol. Uh, that's amazing. That's so cool. Because you know what? Um, you've had a journey, and I know that. I've listened to some of your interviews that you've done on other channels. And I know the challenges you had with design challenges, with getting people mainstream to look at it and take it seriously. You know, they were, they were tough years, weren't they, Rob? There's always been a challenge or two every year. Um, and I guess I've, I've had a fair few significant ones. And just before Dragon's Den aired, there was the, the government banning hand luggage in 2006, just at the peak holiday season of the summer travel period. Uh, so that was quite a challenge. That was force majeure and then some. But back then it was just me working from my bedroom in, in, in Bristol, didn't have a payroll to meet. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we've had big legal battles around our intellectual property rights and um, taking over the factory caused a few initial teething problems. Um, but looking back now, really proud of the things we stood up for and believed in. And I think some of the learnings over the last 12 years, uh, well, quite early on, I realized that I had a great product, but to have a great business, I needed a great team and went on quite a leadership journey to understand how I was going to be able to build a, a world-class team. And, uh, uh, and that now has paid full dividends that I'm able to take a step back and let the business run its day-to-day without my involvement. Yeah. and uh, just focus on strategy and product. I love it. 
I, I love that we've connected again. I love your journey. Um, I've, I've loved Chunkies from the start, obviously, as you know. Um, and, and you're very inspiring. I'm not sure you're, you're quite humble and I'm not sure you realise how inspiring you are, Rob. Thanks, thanks, for, <laughs> thanks for the feedback. Yeah, you know, you, you've always been quite a quiet character, really, in the in the grand scheme of things, and that that's what's quite endearing about you, I think. So, um, if you were talking now to, obviously, you're talking to my audience. Um, if my audience is, I would say, predominantly women. I'd say there are men. I hope there are men who listen to my podcast, but I know it hits quite a big female audience and they are an entrepreneurial audience. They're mainly running their own businesses in, in one way or another. Some are producing products, some are producing, some are giving service. What would you say to them? What's, what's like um, two really big pieces of advice that you'd give them, Rob? Um, well, I guess that we've all, if we're all running businesses, we, we all know it's not easy. Um, we're always face, facing curveballs and challenges. And even, even today, our, our, in our business, the commercial landscape has completely changed with e-commerce. So, um, so I think you just got to kind of recognize you're always going to be facing change and challenges. And uh, the quicker you can embrace that and use your developing skill set to overcome that, uh, the quicker you can move on and, and grow. So, um, I mean, you see it with sales teams moaning that the buyers are always leaving, but it's kind of, well, that's a fact. That's always going to happen. So um, understand it, embrace it, and, and use that to your advantage. Yeah. So uh, yeah. Yeah, I think uh, I think we can spend too, too long uh, moaning about things, and actually those things can actually be really, really strong um, tools that we can use to uh, get a competitive advantage i love that that's so true and you know i obviously now i'm a sales coach so i'm teaching people how to sell um coaching mentoring people and you're right and i'm dealing with a corporate team right now and you know one of their things was the buyers leave the buyers leave so often so it's really interesting you've just mentioned that and it, it is about people most definitely but we can still make relationships with new people and your, you know, your product is generally strong enough for you to be able to do that. You just need to understand why they're going to buy from you. I think that's the yeah. key thing, isn't it? You know, why will they want to buy? It's the why. I, I follow Simon Sinek. I don't know if you follow him. Oh, yeah. Absolutely, um, yeah. Love him. Um, his message is completely on point from my point of view. So. Yeah, the perp- I call it purpose. Others call it a vision. Yeah. You've got to really understand what your purpose is in, in life or within that, that particular business and make it really clear and defined. And our, our purpose isn't making children's plastic luggage. It's uh, creating products that facilitate that perfect journey and enable parents and carers to get their, their kids off exploring the world where they can learn and develop so much as little people. Uh, and actually a great tool now that we use is, is Instagram. So our curated feed under hashtag Trunky is, is a great example of what our purpose, our why is. And it's, it's just great photos of kids exploring the world with their brightly coloured, trunky products, uh, happily smiling and learning uh, about new stuff. I love that. That's, that's amazing. And I'm now going to make sure I look that up on Instagram, obviously. And um, so I will make sure that with the podcast, I put all of the links so that we know exactly where to find Trunky. Most of us probably do, but I really like to make sure that we just make sure everybody sees who you are today and what you're up to. 
that would be amazing. Um, and obviously, I feel really quite honoured to have you on my podcast, Rob, because um, I know how successful you've been. And I know that Trunk is now a worldwide brand, which is pretty awesome for me to have a creator of a worldwide brand on my podcast. <laughs> Exciting. Yeah, I think things always move so quickly, so it's very hard to take a step back and kind of really appreciate where where the business is has got to uh yeah there's always more on the horizon to conquer so uh, well world domination you said it yourself rob you know i used to use that phrase when i had truly madly baby and i guess secretly in my heart i want to dominate the world with my sales methodology you know so um and just make make the world a better place to sell in and to buy from mm. there's too many oh, it's more than world domination you can see a picture in the background there <laughs> yeah yeah. Well, obviously, because this is podcast. Yeah. Used on trips to the moon. Yeah. It was a, we're, we're obviously on podcast, so we can't see that on for the listeners. But I'm on Zoom with Rob, so I can see in the background he's got like um, the astronaut on the moon with his trunky, which is just absolutely awesome. I love that. I hope that's on Instagram. Can we see that on Instagram? So? Mm-hmm. It's it? on my Instagram feed. Yeah, trunky daddy. Brilliant. Brilliant. Rob, thank you so much. I really have appreciated your time. It's absolutely awesome to have you on here. Um, And obviously for everyone listening, I'll put the links in so you can follow Rob and you can follow Trunky because it's a magical journey. Um, I've been honoured to be uh, along with right from the beginning. Um, And obviously next week we will have another episode of The Human Conversation. Um, And I don't know how I'm going to find a guest quite as awesome as Rob, but I'll get looking for you all so that you can tune in to episode 11. But for now, thanks for listening and have a great week. You've just been listening to the Human Conversation podcast with Jules White. If you enjoyed the show, please let her know on our Facebook page, www.facebook.com forward slash Compassio Coaching.